Hey y'all, Eves here. Today's episode contains not just one, but two nuggets of history. These are coming from the TDIHC vault, so you'll also hear two hosts. Consider it a double feature. Enjoy the show. Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson and it's January 20th. The Iran hostage crisis ended on this day in 1981. The Iranian Revolution, also called the Islamic Revolution, had started in 1978. It started with resistance to Iranian monarch Mohammad Reza Shah Pahlavi, also known as just the Shah. The Shah had very close ties to the United States and was very sympathetic to United States interests. The U.S. had had a lot of influence over Iran. His rule, though, was also very repressive and authoritarian, including having a secret police force that terrorized Iranian citizens. As the revolution spread, the Shah and his family left Iran on January 16, 1979, under the pretense of going on a vacation. But they never came back again. Ayatollah Rahola Khamenei, who had been exiled 14 years before, returned to Iran and established the Iranian Republic. This was not the end of the tensions, though. The Shah was diagnosed with cancer and wanted to go to the United States for medical treatment, and his aides said to United States officials that the treatment he needed was only available in the United States. President Jimmy Carter finally agreed to allow this under pressure from other American political leaders, and the Shah arrived in the United States on October 22nd. This outraged a lot of the protesters in Iran who wanted him to be extradited back to them. On November 4th, 1979, Iranian student demonstrators attacked the U.S. Embassy in Tehran, and they took hostages. Most of these were people who worked at the embassy, This was the start of a hostage crisis that would last more than a year. At first, it was 66 U.S. citizens who were held hostage, three of them taken from the Iranian foreign ministry. The Ayatollah later ordered the release of 13 of the hostages, all of them were women or black or both, under the argument that they probably weren't spies. That left 53 hostages remaining. One became really ill and was released on medical grounds, leaving 52 for the rest of the hostage crisis. These hostages were mistreated. There were beatings, mock executions, and all of this was happening in the embassy complex where most of them had previously been employed. The Iranians wanted the Shah extradited, and they refused to release the hostages if that happened. So the U.S. froze Iranian assets and U.S. banks, refused to purchase oil from Iran. Resolutions from the UN were issued condemning what the Iranian people were doing. This went on and on. The U.S. cut diplomatic ties and ordered Iranian diplomats to leave the United States. An attempted rescue mission in April of 1980 failed, and eight U.S. service members were killed Their bodies couldn't be recovered by the U.S., and they were later shown on Iranian TV to humiliate and taunt the United States. The Shah then died of cancer in Egypt on July 27th of 1980. During the 1980 election in the United States, Ronald Reagan used all of this against Jimmy Carter, and Reagan went on to win that election. 
Negotiations resumed through middlemen from Algeria, and by that point, Iran had also installed a new government and had been invaded by Iraq. So sanctions that had been in place were becoming harder and harder for the country to deal with. Finally, there was an agreement to release the hostages in exchange for lifting the sanctions, and those hostages were released almost immediately after Reagan was sworn into office as president. They had been held hostage for 444 days. Relations between the United States and Iran were strained for decades afterward. Thanks to Casey Pegram and Chandler Mays for their audio work on this show. You can subscribe to This Day in History class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And you can tune in tomorrow for an incredibly destructive riot. Hi, everyone. I'm Eves, and welcome to This Day in History class a podcast where we one day ship nugs of history straight to your brain through your ear hole. The day was January 20th, 1839. The Battle of Yungay, the last battle of the War of the Confederation, occurred near Yungay, Peru. The battle resulted in the dissolution of the Peruvian-Bolivian Confederation. In 1836, President Andres de Santa Cruz of Bolivia united the two states of Peru with Bolivia. General Ramon Herrera was president in South Peru, Luis José de Orbegoso was president in North Peru, and General José Miguel de Velasco was made president of Bolivia. Santa Cruz declared himself protector of the Confederation, a lifetime and hereditary office. Many Western powers recognized the new Peruvian-Bolivian Confederation, But Chile, which already had strained relations with Peru over the ports of Callao and Valparaíso, was wary of the Confederation and its potential power. Existing high tensions between Chile and Peru, plus disputes over customs, duties, and loans, plus concerns over military and commercial power, led to the War of the Confederation. In August of 1836, Chile seized three of the Confederation's ships at Callao. Santa Cruz tried to negotiate with Chile rather than go to war. Chile set up a treaty with several terms, one of which was dissolving the Confederation. Santa Cruz refused to dissolve the Confederation, and Chile declared war December of that year. The next year, Argentina also declared war on the Confederation, though Chile and Argentina did not join forces in the fight. Chile was supported by Peruvians who were opposed to Santa Cruz. But Chile suffered losses in the beginning. The first expedition from Chile, led by Admiral Manuel Blanco Encalada, was unsuccessful. Encalada was forced to sign a peace treaty and return to Chile. But the Chilean government rejected the treaty and broke it. It organized a second expedition, sending an army to invade Peru. Though Santa Cruz advanced on the Chileans, the latter gathered Peruvian dissidents to join their cause along the way. In early January of 1839, Chile's forces and Santa Cruz's forces met at the Battle of Buin, in which both countries have claimed a win. Later that month, the two sides met at Yungay, a town in north-central Peru. After six hours of combat, Chile defeated the Confederates at the Battle of Yungay on January 20, 1839. This was the decisive battle of the war. 
Santa Cruz exiled himself in Ecuador, and the Peruvian-Bolivian Confederation was dissolved. Agustin Gamarra assumed the presidency of Peru. Peruvian officers who served under the Confederation were banned from the Peruvian army. The Peruvian government gave awards to Chilean and Peruvian officials and paid its debt with Chile. The War of the Confederation was over. But Gamarra soon invaded Bolivia and was killed by Bolivian forces in 1841. Conflict as well as political and economic instability plagued Peru and Bolivia for years afterward. The War of the Pacific between Chile and an alliance of Bolivia and Peru lasted from 1879 to 1884 and ended with the Chilean victory. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. Feel free to share your thoughts or your innermost feelings with us and with other listeners on social media at TDIHC Podcast. And you can email us at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks for listening to today's episode. We'll see you again tomorrow. Tomorrow.